Well, I'd like to invite you to take your Bible and open to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 7. 1 Samuel, chapter number 7. Give you just a moment to find that in your Bibles. 1 Samuel, chapter 7. This evening, we're going to be dealing with something called the Ebenezer. The Ebenezer. I think it's very timely in light of current world affairs. I think that everyone needs an Ebenezer at this time. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 7, and I'd like you to follow as I read one verse, and that's verse number 12. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpeh and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Now let's begin with a word of prayer. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of help. We thank you that we can come to you at any place, at any time, and cry out to you, and you're there. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you would please uh, undertake now for this message and help it to find a home in many, many hearts. Lord, I do pray that you would please be with all of the dear folks of Grace Baptist Church and all of the people who tune in and who watch, and that you'd comfort those hearts, and that you'd help those that may be wondering, how can I know God? Help them, Lord, to reach out to you, even in their hearts tonight in prayer. So be with us now, Lord, and speak to us in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. We have a very interesting story for us here this evening. Now, I want to give you the context the context is simply this. Israel had been under bondage to the Philistines for quite some time because of their sin and their depravity. Interestingly, poor old Israel went through these cycles where they'd be close to God, then they'd get away from God and get their eyes onto the world and onto sin, and particularly into idol worship. Idol worship was big back then. The idea of the idols was uh, worship of these idols promised you wealth and promised you uh, love and promised you uh, children and promised you good crops in the field and so on. And it was common belief. And Israel got their eyes upon these things and they said, boy, that looks good. That's for us. And so they'd get away from God into idolatry. Then God would have to send uh, a neighboring nation to conquer them, uh, put them under uh, bondage and tribute. And they'd be under that for sometimes for many, many years until they would finally call out to God and cry out to God. And so we're coming to the tail end of their, their bondage. And uh, they were under bondage with the Philistines. The Philistines went to war with them and conquered them and captured the Ark of the Covenant of all things. Can you believe that? The Ark of the Covenant, the sacred Ark was captured by the Philistines. The Philistines thought they had quite a prize. They took it back and proudly put it in front of their uh, uh, god, their fish god called Dagon, D-A-G-O-N, Dagon. It was a fish god. And uh, they uh, got up in the morning and found that their god had fallen face down in front of the ark of Almighty God. And they said, what's this? Anyhow, after a couple of days of this, and then God cut off the, uh, the hands of the, the God as well. And finally, God started to smite them with emeralds. We're not going to go into that, but that's something nasty. And so all of these uh, Philistines, they got emeralds. 
and they realized they were getting all of this because they had taken the ark of the uh, uh, of of the of Israel, and so they decided they needed to send it back, and so that's what they did. They sent it back, and here in chapter seven, verse one, the men of Kirjath Jearim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab. And uh, by the way, Abinadab, that name means generous father. For all of you who are fathers, I'm a father also and a grandfather as well. But I want to encourage you to be a generous father. Be generous with your love. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your gifts. Because there'll come a day when you'll regret having been so stingy with your love and your time and your gifts. Pour out your affections upon your children while you can, while you still have them. I'll tell you the truth. There are many fathers in the world today whose children are all grown up and gone off and will never come back and speak to them because they missed out on these opportunities. And so they took the ark and brought it to the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eleazar, the son, uh, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark abode in Kirjath Jearim, that the time was long, for it was 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And so another 20 years goes by. They're still under bondage and tribute to the Philistines. Understand this. And so then uh, they decided they needed to get right with God. And so Samuel, the prophet, calls them together for a conference on prayer and forgiveness and preaching, I'm sure. The Philistines saw them all coming together and thought that it was a war tactic. They misunderstood and they said, this can't be good. And so they started to come to attack. And that's when the Israelites cried out to God and God came to their rescue. And um, we're going to uh, look at this now in verse uh, nine. Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel and the Lord heard him. Aren't you glad that God still answers prayer? Aren't you glad? I am so glad that God answers prayer. I believe that God answers prayer. Every morning, every evening, I spend time alone with God in prayer. Why? Because I believe God answers prayer. It says, verse 10, and as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them. And they were smitten before Israel. And so in verse 12, Samuel gets this stone. It wasn't a little pocket stone. It was a large stone. And he set it up. Uh, and he called it Ebenezer. And the word Ebenezer means stone of help. Stone of help. That's what Ebenezer means. Maybe you've heard the name in relation to that Charles Dickens story. Uh, Scrooge. Remember that? A Christmas carol. And his first name was Ebenezer. Well, the last name, Scrooge, I, th I think is a made-up name. I think Charles Dickens just kind of made it up. Something to be a, a, out of maybe squeeze, to try and squeeze the last drop of blood out of a stone or something. But the name Ebenezer is a biblical name. It's a good name. Ebenezer. 
It means the stone of help. It's a reference to a sign of God's help. That's what it was meant to be. And it was meant to be uh, set up as, as like a monument, a monument. Uh, in many cities, we have war memorials. We have these monuments set up. Uh, and we honor the men and women who came to our rescue, came to the help of the nation during time of war, and they gave their lives and served their nation and helped protect freedom. We enjoy freedom today because of the bravery of these men and women whom we honor with these war monuments. Now, it says here that uh, Samuel took the stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen. Now, Mizpah and Shen were two towns on the either side of this ridge, this ridge running north and south throughout Israel. And on either side, these two towns, Mizpah and Shen. And so Samuel put the stone on the top of the ridge. That's between Mizpah and Shen. He put it up high on the ridge. He put it there for everyone to see. That's the whole idea of a monument. You don't build the monument and then tuck it away in some dark little basement. You put it in a prominent place in the town square or up on a hill or someplace where all can see it. That's the idea of a monument. The Ebenezer acted as a monument and Samuel took it and he rolled it probably maybe with some help. I don't know, but they got it together and they got it up on this ridge for all to see, never to be forgotten because here's the truth, folks. God doesn't want us to forget that he's there that he's ready to help us in time of need. Hallelujah for that. We serve a God of care and mercy and power. He not only cares for us and loves us, but he's able, he's powerful. He's able to run to our rescue and to help us. And this was the whole idea of the Ebenezer. God answers prayer. Praise the Lord. God has the power to move mountains. God has the power to turn the king's heart. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. God has the power to give us favor in the eyes of men and women. God has the power to protect our cash flow, to protect our homes, our families, our vehicles. God has the power to protect our health. He has the power to ensure our future. He has the power to forgive our sins. God has the power. Oh, how we need victory over sin. How is it that Israel was able to obtain help from God? How did it happen? Well, I'd like to show you three things. If you look, please, at verse 4, chapter 7 and verse 4. <clears throat> the first step in how Israel was able to obtain God's help, because remember, don't forget, for years Israel had been sinning, getting away from God, and listen, my friend, if you're watching this broadcast or listening to the sound of my voice, if you're not living for God, then you're no better than sinning Israel. You're no better than, than the backsliding Israel who backslid away from God and got their eyes into worldly things. You say, but pastor, I don't go after these little statues, these little idols. No, 
you probably don't. Your idols take on another fashion, another form. For you, your idols might be the, the paycheck, the cash flow. For you, the idol might be the get-rich-quick and the lotto ticket. For you, the idol might be sports on Sundays. For you, the idol might be the affections of young ladies or the affections of young men. For you, the idol might even be what you look at in the mirror, mirror, mirror on the wall. Oh, how pretty am I? That might be your idol. We need to go to God and ask God to help us to put away every idol, every besetting sin, anything that would come between us and God. And Israel had some work to do. They really did. We see repentance here. Look at verse 4. It says, And the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth. Those were two of the more popular heathen deities, the pagan gods. They put these things away. They destroyed the images. They cut down the altars and so on. It says here, And served the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizpah, and drew water and poured it out before the Lord. That was done in an act of uh, humility and sacrifice and love and, and worship. And fasted on that day. They would do that when they would pray. And said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. So they had some repenting to do. They had some some reconciliation, some restitution. They had repentance to do. And that's always the first step. If you're going to get the help from God that you so, so much need, it's there, it's available, but you're going to have to maybe do some repenting. You're going to have to get on your face and say, search me, O God, and try me, know me, see if there be any wicked way in me. Maybe you already know something that's come in between you and God. You're going to need to acknowledge that and put that right. I read a story about the great evangelist Gypsy Smith. And uh, it was, um, uh, oh, uh, maybe a, a, more than 100 years ago that um, he was in South Africa. And he was preaching at uh, uh, a big tent meeting. And there came a fine, handsome Dutchman into his service. And God got a hold of the Dutchman's heart. And through the preaching, the singing, the ministry, the preaching especially, God showed him his sin, showed him his need of the Lord Jesus, and the man was born again. He received Jesus as his personal Savior, and he was born again into God's family. And that makes all the difference. If you've never been born again into God's family, you don't know what you're missing. I've lived on both sides of the fence. I've belonged to both families at one time. The devil's family and God's family. I'll tell you right now, it's way better to belong to God's family. Amen? This Dutchman, fine, handsome fellow, he got saved. And after he got saved, God brought to, a, to his mind a sin. He became convicted of a particular sin. The next day the next morning this Dutchman went to a, the beautiful home of another Dutchman and he knocked on his door the man came opened the door and then he said hello and the Dutchman who got saved reached in his pocket and pulled out a watch 
And he said, do you recognize this, this watch? And his neighbor looked at it and he says, those are my initials. Yes, that's my watch. He said, I lost it eight years ago. He said, how did you come to get it? The Dutchman said, I stole it. You stole it? Yeah, I stole it from you. But last night, God convicted me of my sin. I became a Christian. And I've come to give it back to you. And the man said, wow. And the, the Dutchman who got saved said, I would have come last night, but I, th I think it would have been too late. You were in bed. So I had to come today. You see, the first step towards God's help is going to be repentance. And there might be something in your life that you're going to need to deal with. Maybe it's between family members in your home. Maybe you've spoken some harsh words. Maybe you've broken some promises. Maybe like this Dutchman, you've stolen things and you need to make restitution and bring them back. Whatever it might be, whatever the Spirit of God shows you, you need to do. You will not go any further than where the Holy Spirit meets you and says, get this right, make this right. You need to do this. The second step is prayer. We see this in verse 7. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And so you have the picture here. They're having a revival breaking out. And Samuel is preaching and judging the people and teaching them about right and wrong. And people are getting right with God. And then the Philistines, they, they, they hear about it and they start coming. Verse 8, and the children of Israel said to Samuel, cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And now verse 9. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. We have prayer. Prayer. You know, if your prayer is nothing more than a few a few words before you have a meal, no wonder, no wonder you're stuck and you need God's help. That's not prayer. That's just lip service to God. That's like trying to, to give him a tip to keep him away or something. You need to spend time with God. Spend time with him. A young man who is wanting to win the affection of a young lady and marry her, he doesn't just spend a few seconds once in a while in conversation with her? Absolutely not. He'll want to spend much time in her presence. He'll go overboard trying to win her affection. Listen, my friend, when was the last time you went overboard trying to win God's pleasure? When was the last time you spent time alone with God on your face, begging, beseeching him for your needs and the needs of those around you? Ah, oh, listen, when was the last time you spent even one hour with the Lord. Usually it's only two or three minutes, isn't it? At the most. <clears throat> no wonder we have needs. No wonder we're in need of God's help. After repentance comes prayer. Prayer without ceasing is what the Bible talks about. John Bunyan, that great man of God, said, He who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him 
the rest of the day. A story you've heard more than once, but yet I believe it's true. Early African converts to Christianity were very earnest and regular in their private devotions. Each one reportedly had a separate spot in the thicket in the woods there where he would pour out his heart before God. And over time, the pathway to these places became well-worn. As a result, if one of these believers began to neglect prayer, it was soon apparent to everyone else for the, the weeds and the grass would start growing up on their pathway to their little prayer spot. And so they would admonish one another, brother, the grass grows on your path. My friend, my Christian friend, has the grass grown on your pathway to the prayer closet? That's a good question, isn't it? E.M. Bounds, tremendous man of God in the 1800s, he wrote and said, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better. Now this is in the 1800s he wrote this. Not new organizations or more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use, men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. You remember reading in Acts chapter 12 the story of how Peter was taken and thrown in prison and he was to be put to death. And so the church got together that night and they had a prayer meeting and they prayed and an angel came and fetched Peter out of prison. You remember that? Well, it's true, the angel fetched Peter out of prison, but what is it that fetched the angel to help Peter? It was prayer. Prayer. It's our lifeline, folks. Why aren't we using it more? Why aren't we taking more advantage of prayer? Why aren't we getting on our knees or getting on our face? Why is it that most of our prayer is confined to our meal times when we bow our head and say, Lord, thank you for the food. Amen. No wonder we have problems. Oh, listen, God is there. He is ever there, a ready help in time of need. The third thing I'd like to point out to you is in verses 10 and 11. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to the battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them. This is the Lord's part. And here's man's part. And they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came to Bethkar. You see, God has a part and we have a part too. We have a part to do. What I'm saying is that how did Israel obtain God's help the same way that you and I can obtain God's help? Number one is by repentance, getting right with God. Number two is by prayer, crying out to God. And number three is getting busy and doing our part. Get busy. Get busy serving the Lord. Get busy with your tithes and offerings. Get busy trying to witness to others. Listen. There's nothing stopping you from putting gospel tracts in letters and mailing them to people, is there? There's nothing stopping you from calling people and inviting them to tune in and to watch regularly both the Sunday broadcasts and our daily podcast. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. Get busy 
Be about your heavenly Father's business. Oh, listen, I want to throw in a quick little commercial here. We want to hear from you. We want to get more of our regular church people. Now, if you're watching and you don't happen to be an attender of this church, we're glad you're watching. God bless you. We're so happy you're here. But if you're a member or a regular attender of this church, someone whose face we know, I'd like to encourage you, put together a little video, a little selfie, maybe a picture, maybe a small video of a few moments, and just tell us how you're doing. We'll show those on Wednesday nights. If maybe you would like to put together a little special music, you and your family, remember to put on your Sunday clothes because it'll be showing on a Sunday night and we'll be happy to show those on Sunday nights. Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't it be wonderful? Listen, there's something else you can do to bless others is you can help them with a word of your testimony. You can help them with a, a few verses of a song and you can help them through your prayers. You can. Ebenezer, the stone of help. The stone of help. Maybe what you ought to do is carry something in your pocket that could act as an Ebenezer. My son made up these little coin, coins here with words on them and a picture on one side. He only made up a couple of them and he gave one to me. He keeps it in his pocket. I keep it in my pocket. And whenever I reach into my pocket and touch it, it reminds me to pray. It reminds me to cry out to God. God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. He is our Ebenezer. Hallelujah. Listen, if you are in need of God's help, you need to learn to repent. You need to learn to pray, cry out to him. You need to get busy and serve him. Listen, I want to have a word of prayer for you. I want to pray for you. In just a moment, we'll bow our heads, close our eyes. I want to pray for you after which we'll have our offering time. But listen, in your heart of hearts, if you've never trusted Jesus, would you do it tonight? If you have trusted him, but you've backslid and you're not living properly for him, would you ask him to forgive you and to help you to get back close to God where you belong? Would you do that? Now let's bow our heads and close our eyes in prayer.